Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from a dual degree Harvard alumni on best practices around iterative physical product development. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Sponsored by PTC's two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And produced by Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Kyle DeMont to the show. Kyle spent many years as a hardware developer for iRobot, then got a Master's of Science and an MBA dual degree at Harvard, then spun out AllSpice, which is a software platform for managing electronic engineering feedback and revision tracking, amongst other things. Today, Kyle is going to share some valuable knowledge for inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on what iterative hardware product development is between manufacturing runs, who the product feedback loop stakeholders are, and how to collect, organize, prioritize, and execute on that iterative feedback information to ensure the best improvements to your physical consumer product design. Now, on to the episode. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, excited to talk today about the iterative design tools and processes around improving your product between each manufacturing run. And this is something that's really important to hardware startups, even if it's from the early prototyping phases, early customer feedback, crowdfunding launch, short production run, or even scaling into larger production runs. No longer is hardware making a product that doesn't change for the next 10 years. Nowadays, people are looking to improve their product generally in between almost every manufacturing cycle. So every time you produce, you collect feedback from a variety of sources and you make your product better. Now, there are processes and tools to do that the right way. And that's why I brought Kyle on the show today to talk about how to properly get these different individuals, these different stakeholders to provide feedback and how you organize and prepare that feedback to do the best iteration possible, not just any iteration that comes out of your own mind or maybe certain designers' minds. This is really a community approach here, which is absolutely best practice in hardware right now. Before we go too far down that, first of all, Kyle, congrats. You've raised a multi-million dollar seed round for AllSpice, featured in TechCrunch and a bunch of other places. So congrats on the early success on your scale up yourself. Thanks. It's been quite a journey. It's been a really exciting process. Just awesome to see the team growing, product get out there and start to influence a lot of engineers. Amazing. We'll talk a bit about your background. You've been in the hardware space for over 10 years. Give us a bit of a high level of where you got to where you are today. Out of my undergraduate, I did product development, mostly electrical engineering for seven or eight years. I worked at some bigger companies. I was at iRobot for a while doing product design there. And I ended up joining a small startup company in the 3D printing industry. And through those experiences, really felt like I had a pretty good grasp on how hardware engineering was done. And just as you mentioned, Kevin, just saw all the the inflexibility that was kind of baked into those processes. I mean, maybe a lot of your listeners going from a big company to a small company, there I was thinking, here's my opportunity to build something from the ground up, build a workflow from the ground up that I could use to help my team be nimble and, and kind of meet demands and meet changing customer requirements or environmental requirements. Just felt so hamstrung by what was available in terms of tooling. I ended up going from the startup company, knew I wanted to start a business somewhere in the engineering tools area. I ended up going to uh, back to, to school. I got my MS and MBA at Harvard. They have a dual degree program, aptly named the MS MBA program, I believe. It was actually the first year they did it back in 20. 20- 
2018 was the beginning of the program. We were the class of 2020. It was very focused on entrepreneurship. So it was, it was perfect for what I wanted to do. Um, I met my co-founder there, Valentina. We launched this company starting when we graduated in 2020, obviously right into the pandemic. So that affected a lot of the way we built the company, a lot of the way we built the product. So. Amazing. No, great backstory. And you know, I'm also an individual that I incorporated macro design while I was also in school. So congratulations on that, Kyle. Thanks. Yeah, it was a good opportunity to kind of, I guess, maybe lower the risk or have a bit more of a sandbox environment to kind of build and brainstorm before we went out and, and launched it full-time and, and worked full-time on this thing. That's amazing. And it's become a success. And we'll talk about that more as we go into the episode as well, especially the tools that are available for people in the hardware development space. Let's look big picture at this for a moment. Just talk a bit about what iterative design is between manufacturing runs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I'm sure a lot of, you know, you and a lot of your listeners are familiar with, there's that kind of legacy way of doing hardware design, which is waterfall methodologies. Tends to be rather rigid process where you're planning out your releases well in advance, um, usually have long spins in between designs. And the goal is always that each revision is going to work perfectly or as perfectly as possible. What we're kind of doing is starting to take a little bit of the playbook from software. Software engineering has done an amazing job of being able to iterate very quickly and build, being able to build steps into their workflows that enable them to quickly gain confidence in new versions of the designs. That's exactly what we're trying to kind of bring into the hardware landscape. So in between manufacturing runs, it is becoming easier and less expensive for us to get quick turn PCBs get quick turn assemblies. With 3D printing and mechanical, it's a lot faster for us to do some low quantity builds, get at least designs in the hands of engineers and hopefully even users, whether or not we're ready to say, hey, this thing's going out the door, we're, you know, we're ready to ship it. We can at least do those integrations tests, do those benchtop tests, you know, whatever we need to do to gain confidence and turn things out the door. And that's why we looked at software and said, hey, you know, that's kind of the pinnacle of what you can do, at least currently with iterative designs. So I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about like, what are the things we're pulling in, but that's kind of the high level approach that we take. One more thing I'll mention is that, you know, this was a drive that I know I saw when I was at the big company and also a startup trying to move quickly, but cut to the last couple of years during the pandemic, our hands were kind of forced to do iterative design, especially if you're in electrical engineering and you can't get these parts, you're getting a note from a manufacturer saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to have to shut down supply, you know, shut down assembly unless we can design in this new part in the next two, three days, maybe you have a week or two weeks. So those kind of legacy processes of like, yeah, it takes us three weeks to schedule an in-person design review and run all of our export bills and kind of qualify everything to do a new turn. Like that clearly cannot apply here. So our hands were kind of forced into this iterative process some ways in the last couple of years. There's so much value in it and there's so many tools that are available right now. I love how you mentioned the fact that it's becoming easier to iterate between designs. There's a ton of technology mm -hmm. in, in both design and manufacturing and the combination of those two that allows you to change the design, effectively improving it between each of those cycles. I'm a huge fan of short run production as well, especially for hardware startups. I talk a lot about it on the show, trying to produce 100 to 500 units of a product to get them in the hands of real users so that mm. you can get that feedback with the intent, purposeful, intentional intent of improving your design before you go to a larger, potentially more expensive full-scale production run. And you can continue iterating those designs as you go into further and further production runs, especially if you plan out that as part of your development process, as opposed to using that legacy model that you mentioned. I love how you look at it as the waterfall model because that 
that really is the legacy way of doing it. Trying to really plan out what's going to happen well in advance. That's great if you can spend millions of dollars on consultants and all this sort of market data that might be available to Fortune 500 companies. But that's very impractical as a startup to begin with. And secondary, I think the information is weaker. The information that you get from real users in real time is going to be substantially better than the information you can plan ahead. So why not build the concept of agile development as they do in software into the hardware model now that the tools are available? So to dig into this a bit, Kyle, talk to us a bit about the different stakeholders, because the first thing that everyone thinks of is customer feedback. And of course, that's very important, but there's more stakeholders than just your customer on each iteration of the design. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, huge part is customer feedback, but engineering qualifications really, really important as well. It's going to allow having those multiple iterations in between can allow you to do things like significant cost reduction. There's probably performance improvements that your engineering, your development team is just not going to understand until you know they get the parts in hand, start to play with them. Especially one thing that I've always really liked to do, and you know, I like to do at my current company, is make sure that engineers are getting in front of customers, at least seeing videos or recordings, and kind of seeing firsthand how these things are being interacted because it's hard sometimes to understand how to design something when you're in a silo. But that's all a part of kind of bringing together the different stakeholders in a design. You can have as part of that process, there's, there's you know all the engineering disciplines, really, really important to make sure everyone's communicating effectively and coming to the table. Systems engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical, if you have electrical, software and firmware, there may be different divisions that all have kind of different roles and responsibility, but making sure that there's kind of a common forum, a common sounding board that all those teams can come together and talk. It's really important. And then all the way up to now, then talk procurement, product and project managers, CMs, starting to get contract manufacturers involved if they're, especially if they're going to be, you know, you're doing anything higher volume or with, you know, significant requirements around assembly and manufacturing. That's amazing. Um, so many different stakeholders. I think that's a big picture here. Like even you as the innovator, the hardware founder, you also are a stakeholder. Investors are also stakeholders. So you've got all these different people. As Kyle mentioned, in addition to those two, you've got the customers, which is, I would argue, the most important. Always focus on that as the number one. A, who are your existing customers? And B, who are your potential customers? And looking at that data really clearly to define what some of those improvements that they see are, or you know, either improvements of the product of things that aren't working. It also could be opportunities on thing you could add to improve the product overall in terms of marketability or whatever else. So both features and problem reduction. Now, the customer is number one, but you've got all these different people that a lot of the time are overlooked. What are your manufacturers saying? What are the different types of designers and engineers? Visual designers, industrial design, mechanical design. Of course, if you got the electronic side, you've got firmware, software, PCB design, component procurement design. So these are multiple different individuals, all that will have ideas about ways to improve the product or ways to prevent problems on the product. All of this sort of stuff has to go into some organized plan. And that I think is a huge thing that is missed because most of the time, especially as a hardware startup, even if you're collecting this information, which I would say is step one, at least get the information in the door. If you are collecting the information and you're doing a good job of pulling that together, then the more difficult challenge becomes, well, how do you organize and prioritize and then, of course, eventually execute on that information. So, Kyle, talk a bit about that process. 
Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned organizing. I know it's maybe not the most exciting thing. Maybe other people are following like Marie Kondo or something and very, very organizing uh, focused, but it's not always the most exciting or interesting thing for a founder, but it is as a fundamental piece, one of the most important building blocks to get started on. So at the core, what you know, what we provide as a service and you know what is really, really important for all engineering teams is having some level of revision control earlier on than people really even think is necessary. But that's one of the things that the software industry has done so well with GitHub, with GitLab, with Bitbucket, if you've heard of these technologies, it's a mentality that software engineers are using that revision control is really a tool that they can use to tell a story. And so it's very hard to be able to you know, collect all the information from all the stakeholders if you don't have a process in place for kind of being able to trace that information back to a particular version or being able to quickly change the design, see what's changed in the design, and then run a review and release this new version of the design quickly and efficiently, but in a controlled manner. You can have quick and efficient in email, but then you know, email or a shared network drive or Google Docs but I think anybody who's carried that along without significant time spent managing them just understands how it can just turn into chaos very, very, very quickly. Especially it is kind of the anti-force against iterative design. It's like, okay, if I have to kind of keep these folders up to date and all this stuff, manu- you know, run these exports manually, that's going to butt right up against like, hey, I want to cut a new version of this design, release it as quickly as possible, manufacturing, get my data back. Providing that foundation is key from the beginning. We have embraced Git you know, in terms of our product on backend. It's the same technology that GitHub and, and GitLab are using in the software space. I kind of give you that baseline, a lot of power, a lot of flexibility in a revision control package. And you're going to get things like a diff, which actually will allow engineers to take two versions of the design and compare them. Any two versions could be release one, release five, or any of those like kind of micro iterations between and say, how is the design changed from this version to this version? It can be really, really important as a starting place when you're tracing something back, like the LEDs are dimmer now, you know, on our new widget, like what happened here? We can go trace it back. Conversely, it's easier to spot maybe dead parts of the design that like, hey, we had included a Bluetooth module in here initially because we want a Bluetooth connectivity that went away three iterations ago. And so we should probably get rid of this. So kind of exposing all that information so that people can kind of, you know, make quick engineering design decisions that can affect customers. That's really powerful. You're basically highlighting the foundation of your information and that's your version, which makes a ton of sense because all the things that we talked about, you have to tie that feedback loop or that stakeholder feedback back to a particular version version, especially if you're iterating quickly or over time, because if you've got multiple versions, let's say even out in the market, so it's years down the road and you've got five different versions, you have to be extremely careful that the information you're getting back is pegged to a specific revision. Otherwise, that's going to confuse the design going forward. So foundationally, I love what you've done, Kyle, on focusing really on revision history. So that's kind of like the bottom of the pyramid here. Then from there, we move on to stakeholder feedback. Now, how does that tie into or what are some of the best practices around tying in the various stakeholders that we talked about into each of those versions so that you know how to properly iterate to your next version going forward. Definitely. So if the first kind of pillar is revision control and organization, the second one I would say is collaboration. It's do we have the forums, do we have the channels for people to be able, all the stakeholders to be able to communicate, have the traceability to connect that feedback to designs. And again, not have a Slack channel where that's great for just very quick 
feedback in information. You can even create channels to scope things a little bit, but you don't have the traceability. It's not as controlled as a system like you know GitHub or GitLab or now Allspice Hub, which is our product, is going to give you where you know we can simultaneously render versions of the design at any of those iterations, any of those versions. You can click on the design in Allspice Hub, kind of see what's going on. If someone's more technically focused, they can look at the schematic, they can look at the PCB and do fit check and very quickly see, hey, this is the board that I'm you know staring at in my hand or vice versa. And then make a comment in, we kind of pulled from what GitHub is called an issue, essentially like a ticket. It may be a bug. It may not be a bug or maybe a feature or a new idea or even anything like that. You can kind of grab part of the design, link it to that design, say like, hey, this version you know, regressed on this feature we were trying to add or this new customer deliverable that we were supposed to hit. Um, you can have that traceability. Now, engineering can kind of start to kick off a discussion. Oh, that's because this happened. You know, you can get a whole conversation started there about what was the root cause that, why that happened. This is all now instantly communicated and instantly documented for you. Think about it. You have this controlled system now. Some industries need to provide legally that documentation, but even if not, it's an important part of the design process when you're going back and understanding why decisions are made. If that all happens in the same tool, in the same revision control tool, you can kind of tie it all together. You just get that documentation for free. You get the traceability for free, and you're opening up these lanes of communication. So we have this issue ticket tracking tool built in our product, all sorts of cool things you can do to link to the designs, link to the specific versions of the designs. But we also pay a lot of attention into integrating that into other tools. I mean, Jira, Confluence, these are important project management tools that companies are using. So tying all those tools together to make sure that all the stakeholders are now able to kind of communicate and not have specific silos. That's brilliant because you can pull all this different information from all these different folks and essentially consolidate it into one space so that either the product manager or you as the founder, the CEO or the president of your emerging hardware startup company or scaling hardware company can look at this information collectively, which I guess leads to another very important layer, which is, well, how do you prioritize? that information. So with what mm-hmm. you're talking about, you've you've essentially created channels through a system that allow all these different pieces of information to come into place. Now, you have customers saying that they want this or that, sometimes conflicting with each other. You've got different stakeholders, whether it's your manufacturer saying they want a certain thing. You've got an investor that's saying they want another thing. At least if you've collected the information and now you've got a centralized place for it, that's good. But the final, arguably most important element of all of this to actually be able to execute is how do you organize it? So what tips and tricks do you offer to figuring out how to kind of organize those pieces of information or prioritize them to figure out how to actually execute on whatever you think should be the key elements of the next revision? Yeah. So one feature that we have to help with that is we have uh, priority labels. Essentially, you can or anybody can assign labels to a particular issue you know, tracking the importance of it. And then the other piece of it comes down to the process. So because you have a tool that's tracking revisions, that's tracking collaboration, you can essentially have a hosted design review that says, hey, this closes this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue. Again, issues could be feature requests. It could be customer feedback. It could be, hey, this improvement, et cetera. What we see a lot of the times is that you know, engineers and technical teams are going to start to tag. Tagging is a concept of, of basically like taking someone, you can at their name, just like you would in Slack or a lot of other kind of interactive collaboration tools. You can just at their name and say, hey, at this person, I need your approval on this PR. We can get managers involved in that too and say like, yes, I agree. These are the important issues that were closed here. Hey, this one is missing. What's the deal with that? 
And, you know, whether or not that does end up kind of making its way in, at least having that conversation, that that point in time right there where you can actually make the decision like this is going into this change, or this is not going into this new revision and kind of get everybody on the same page so that you don't end up with products and head scratching saying like, well, what happened? I thought we were fixing the mounting points here. And now all of a sudden it doesn't fit cleanly like we thought it was going to, things like that. So kind of building that all together gives you that ability to kind of make pass-fail criteria on what's going into a revision, what's not going into a revision. Very powerful stuff. And if you're just a hardware startup, but they're getting your first product out to market, right now you're listening to Kyle give best practices and the top tips for how some very advanced hardware teams that are scaling do feedback and iteration. So even if you aren't building complex processes or multiple types of designs, you can actually take this knowledge and apply it to even your first version of your design. Understand who the stakeholders are, understand what version of the product you're on, and then figure out how to prioritize that information. If you're just a home inventor starting out, you could do this on a spreadsheet. Now, of course, as you get more advanced and as you get more serious about your product, especially after it goes to market and you're starting to very carefully plan your next iteration and you want to collect as much information as possible, as well as having it consolidated in one place and organized, it makes a lot of sense to move up the value chain and actually get tools out there to support this. So Kyle, you've highlighted a bit about what Allspice does. Just give a bit of a deeper description of it and how people can actually find out more about Allspice to potentially integrate into their future planning of their product brand improvement over time. Absolutely. So Allspice is the company. Allspice Hub is our primary product. It is essentially a collaboration platform for primarily electrical engineers to be able to share either internally or externally their designs, run that revision control and organization, run collaboration. And then the whole nother pillar that we have even gotten into, maybe we'll do a a follow-up segment on this one to plug this, is automation. I mean, the last piece, we really built this whole platform and process around giving us the foundation to start to build in some pretty neat automation around can be anything from stock and supply checking for every new revision to running simulations, to running renderings, to running generating outputs and sending them to manufacturers. All this stuff that in legacy tools are very time consuming, really prohibitive to to iterating on designs, start to build that in. So that's some exciting stuff that we have coming down the, the road and we'd be happy to share more in the future. Very cool. Kyle. What's the website of Allspice? Allspice.io. That's A-L-L-S-P-I-C-E.io. Uh, we'll bring you to our primary website and there are links there for all sorts of cool stuff. We have a monthly, I believe we're trying to even make that more like a bi-weekly webinar. The next one that's coming up is SVN to Git Migrations. A lot of legacy hardware companies are using SVN subversion for revision control. We're talking a bit more technically about how teams can basically move and from SVN to Git, but also just doing more of a, a deep dive on what Git can mean for hardware design. So definitely check out our, our webinar series on that. And as always, I'll put the links in the show notes below so anyone can just click through as well. Kyle, thanks so much for all your words of wisdom today on how to iterate in the hardware development process. Thanks, Kevin. Always love talking about this. This has been great. Appreciate it. Take care, Kyle. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a quick five-star our review. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. That's podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Macko, North America's leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Huge thanks to our sponsors, PTC, and their two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And
Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Thanks for joining and see you next time.